first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. everybody welcome to a very special gold diggers podcast part of the niners nation podcast network i am rob stats guerrera and with me as always my co-hosts my partner in crime and now my fellow mayonnaise connoisseur michelle majuk what's up michelle hey i'm only given one hey today (laughs) (laughs) i'm already smelling the mayonnaise and you know what all day today i was like oh it'll be fine like it's mayonnaise it's gonna be gross but i'll get through it and just sitting here with the bowl and the smell i don't know if i'm going to get through it it is so much worse of just a smell than i even imagined now i brought a dr pepper with me to wash it down and i brought a watermelon white claw so those two things should help, but I feel like, I don't know, alcohol and mayo together might get me sick, but we'll try it out. Yeah, I think you're in trouble. Do you have a puke bucket nearby? <laughs> I do have a garbage can under my desk, so I might be All right, that. you're prepared. For people that don't know, uh, this is your fault, by the way, because you came up with this. Michelle and I made preseason predictions for the 49ers before last year. She beat me in those. So I had to eat mayonnaise, giant spoonfuls of mayonnaise to pay off the bet, which I did barely. And now you made predictions about the 49ers offseason. It does not appear that those predictions are going to come true. So you are paying off on this bet before we get to that and our top 10 fantasy running backs for 2022. I want to remind everybody, please continue rating, following, reviewing the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We are slowly but surely working our star number rating up. So thank you for that. We've gone up a little. Please keep them coming. We always say if you leave them on the show, we will read them. I have two today. One I already read, but I didn't read it with you. So I want to mention it again. Steven0204. Love the show. Five stars. Michelle's data and insights are fantastic. Stats is cool, but we know who the real MVP is. Hashtag Michelle. And this one from Bradley Frey, five-star great pod. Been listening for about a year and have loved it since. Levin, Michelle, and the guys from the Oh Hey There make it feel like more of a community rather than just Rob sitting in front of a mic, which is something I've always appreciated about what you're doing here. Thanks for the content, insight, and opinions, and lots of entertainment on my drives to work. That is awesome to hear. We love being a part of your day. And Michelle, I'll have you know, my wife was in the room when I was editing last week's show, and she was cackling out loud as you were teasing me for my fantasy magazine. And she <laughs> actually said to me, I really like Michelle. You should do more with her. Oh, that's sweet. Did uh, It was very odd because you got the magazine that day. Did you already sit down and read it, your outdated magazine? I haven't done it yet. I'm planning on it. Things have been a little crazy in my household because we just went on vacation and everybody in the house except me got COVID. So we've kind of been dealing with that. So this hasn't really been a normal week for me, but don't worry. I'll get to it. I will read it. So by the time you read it, everything will be outdated. Got it. 
I mean, I don't know what your prejudice against magazines. I feel like it's really just territory that we need to dive into. What's funny is I've actually written for fantasy magazines before, but you know, I just like to hate. I'm a hater. That was a humble brag right there. That's what that was. Yeah, slightly. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah, fantasy expert here. She gives her own rankings, which apparently won't be outdated. For, you know, I don't know how that works, but whatever. She's going to poo-poo my fantasy tradition. It's fine. I, I know you're in a bad Because mood. unlike some other analysts, I will continue to research for the next two months. Mo- months. Oh, my goodness. But what are and you researching? It takes a long time to go through every single team and do your research and how these people scored fantasy points and their opportunities and what the opportunities opportunities they'll have next season and how their teams are going to change. And yes, I've done a lot of that already, but I'm going to keep digging. I still got another two months before the season starts more than that. I I don't understand. I feel like you're, you're not putting enough emphasis on what was done and you're putting too much on minor acquisitions that could happen. Like the ghost of Julio Jones and where he might sign. It's a lot more than that. Stats not giving us fantasy folks credit. I'm I'm happy to give credit. You're probably right, my fantasy folks. When do I have to take this first stupid bite? Because I'm dreading it. It's up to you. I'm going to give you free reign. Uh, what are you going to take? Three bites? Yes. Okay. That's what I grabbed. So you can it's do it all It's 90 calories a tablespoon. That's insane. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and this is... I'm eating 300 calories. It's like my whole workout today. What a waste. This is not the light mayonnaise for anyone wondering. It's the full... Is it Hellman's? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You bring out the best. There you go. So it's up to you. Do you want to take a a spoonful now? No, let's get to the fourth down talk with the 49ers first. So I'm on my A game. Okay. I don't want to mess up. Uh, We had a great question. If you want to read it from Twitter. Yes. So we always say, if you leave a review, we'll read it. But we got a message on Twitter from Nick Ellert, who said, talk recently of the 49ers struggle with fourth and short. I don't remember a lot of pass plays. What were the numbers on run and pass, and how does Lance and Ty Davis Price help next year with these numbers? Uh, you dug, dug into things a little bit, Michelle. Do you have some answers for us? Yeah, I do. So last year, the 49ers had 20 fourth down attempts. That was actually tied for the seventh fewest in the NFL. NFL. They convert. Oh, my goodness. I can't speak today. I'm sorry, guys. I have not drank yet. I promise. <laughs> they converted just 10 of those attempts. Um, nine of the 20 attempts were rushing attempts and they converted actually just four of those. They struggled there with a 44% success rate. Uh, that was the second worst in the NFL, only better than the jets. So Mm. not great when rushing on fourth down 12 of their 24th down attempts were from two yards or shorter. And they converted just 50% of those attempts, which is, which was also tied for second worst in the NFL. Only the jets were worse. Uh, I think the sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think that Kyle Shanahan's play calling in third and short and fourth and short is awful. Like really, really bad. Yep. We'll get to that in just one second, but for the rush attempts, seven of the 12 were rush attempts and they converted just three of them, which was a very bad success rate. Only six teams had lower than a 60% success rate when rushing, uh, fourth and down and two or shorter. Uh, that was the Dolphins, Falcons, Giants, Jacksonville, Jaguars, and the Jets. And then, of course, the 49ers. Wow. So that's kind of the group that you guys were in. And 
you know, none of those other teams had any good running backs on their team, really. The, yeah, Saquon Barkley's decent, but he's been struggling as of late. The rest were a really bad rushing offense. The 49ers, you would have thought, would not have been in that group. So that's kind of concerning. And then when you go from fourth down to third down, I looked at third down and two or shorter. Terrible. Yeah, 37 times they they were in this situation. They ran on 33, 33 <laughs> of the times. 33, that's insane. That's such bad play calling. Maybe don't be so predictable. They only had four pass plays on such situations, third down and two or shorter. That's by far the fewest in the NFL. Well, you the know Ravens why? were the second fewest with eight, but everyone else was like 15 and above. Having four pass plays on third down and two or shorter throughout the entire season is just bad. That's not that you can't be doing that. Well, you know why? It's because Kyle didn't have faith in Jimmy. He didn't have faith in Jimmy to convert, and he didn't have faith in Jimmy to protect the football. Don't forget, third down is often when you see the most complex creative coverages in a defense. I think Kyle, that's just Kyle's fear, man. He's so conservative. That's Kyle just hoping, trying to hide his quarterback and hope he doesn't have to put the ball in his hands. I really think that's what it is. Yeah, and Elijah Mitchell's just a smaller dude, right? So these type of situations when also the defense knows you're doing it because you do it every time, it's going to be hard to get just even those two yards and get that first down and have success. But with Trey Lance there, he should be definitely picking up. Sorry, my dogs keep barking. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but with Trey Lance there, he should definitely be able to pick up those yards more often. Maybe Ty Davis price gets in the game a bit more. He's a bigger dude. He should have some success. Uh, so maybe we won't see them struggle in this area quite as much with Trey Lance. You would expect it to be much better. I will say the 49ers had just 199 third down attempts last year, which was the second fewest in the NFL. So that means they were getting it done on first and second down, which is really, really good. Uh, don't worry, my Steelers had 239 attempts, which was the most in the NFL, tied with the Texans. <laughs> so we're, we're looking good there. But So the 49ers have some promising things there, and it's good they're not in this situation very often. It's just they have to get more creative when they are in the situation, and then hopefully the players that you know Trey Lance and Ty Davis Price will help them have more success when they are in these situations. So correct me if I'm wrong. You said the 49ers had 24th down attempts last year. Is that right? Yes, that's right. They had five of those in Trey Lance's first start. So they had a quarter of their fourth down attempts in one game, which is crazy to me. Kyle has to, has to, has to get more aggressive on fourth down. I, I think that he will. I hope that he will. The 49ers were 29th in the league in third down run conversion percentage. They got a first down on just 42.4% of their rushing attempts on third down for a team that is as smart and as talented as the 49ers, that is just far too low. But thank you to Nick Ellert for the question. And thank you, Michelle, because I feel like you just made me smarter. You're welcome. And now I'm going to take my first bite of mayo. Oh, and here we go. I'm going to open up my uh, Dr. Pepper. It is a diet Dr. Pepper because that's the way to go, especially when you're having 90 calorie a bite mayo. <laughs> Boy, this is just a waste of 90 calories. If you could spend it any way, I wouldn't spend it this way. I'm going to pretend like this is vanilla ice cream. I'm pretending like it's vanilla ice cream. It's it vanilla doesn't ice help. Cream. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, this is so bad. Oh, she's immediately following with the Dr. Pepper. That was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, <laughs> how, did, uh, 
how did you do it without a drink afterwards? Yeah, that's oh smart God, by it's you. Like, it's in my mouth. Oh my God. Yeah, the chaser. You gotta have a chaser. That tangy that just stays there. Oh my god. I cannot believe you didn't do it with a drink afterwards. Okay, I have to do two more of those. Yeah. Oh Buckle up. It does just stay there. You cannot swallow. You can't swallow. I don't know what's it's like your brain just shuts down. I'm so sorry I ever made you do this. Okay, we're never doing this again. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> we are never doing this again. Wow. Okay. Let's get into, we'll continue our fantasy preview here. We did top 10 quarterbacks last week, which you should feel free to go check that out. Got a little controversy. You know what I realized? Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you had Aaron Rodgers in your top 10 quarterbacks. Nope. And that's not a mistake. I do. That's not. amazing to me. I never thought we, I mean, the dude is the reigning MVP. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's good. Right. <laughs> but You're like, I yeah. do think Devonte Adams leaving town is going to be yep. a big deal. He doesn't pass the ball all that often anymore. Anyways, he's been highly efficient, uh, scoring a ton of touchdowns. And even then he still hasn't been like a top five quarterback in fantasy. So I, I just, I'm not going to have him as a top 10 this year. Wow. Never, never thought I'd see the day. All right. Today's show is about running backs. Let us get to the running backs. Now, you know how we do this 10 to one. This is standard rules. Um, nothing crazy here. So, you know, take that into account. Who is your top 10, number 10 running back? Yeah. So I did half PPR to try to make everybody happy. The folks that play full PPR leagues and the folks that play standard. So I went right in the middle with half PPR. So these are those rankings. My first guy's Nick Chubb of the Browns of the Cleveland Browns. The thing with Nick Chubb is he's super boring in fantasy. Anyways, <laughs> like he's fun to watch as a player because he's a good rusher, but in fantasy, he's super boring. RB 10 in points per game last season, RB seven in points per game in 2020, RB 10 in points per game in 2019. So yeah, he's likely going to be a top 10 running back again in 2022, but he's going to be right on that edge. And I just don't think his ceiling is very high. Like, I don't think he has a top three RB finish in, in his wheelhouse right now, especially with cream hunt there with him. He's going to take up two, too many snaps in the backfield, and then he gets the rece the receptions. Nick Chubb just does not get used enough in the passing game to make his ceiling high enough. And then if Deshaun Watson is suspended for this entire season or, you know, 10-plus games, yes, the team should run more often because you think, you know, they're not going to want Jacoby Brissett throwing it very much. But, like, how, how great is that offense going to be? How many scoring opportunities will he have? And so much of Nick Chubb's success from week to week comes down to those touchdowns because he's not getting the receiving work. So it's touchdown or bust for him. And if Watson is suspended for the full season, I probably will take Chubb right outside that top 10 and maybe enter in Leonard Fournette or DeAndre Swift. They're really close to each other right now. Uh, but for the time being, I'll keep them at 10. Stupid question alert. If running and rushing yards and touchdowns is the cheat code for the fantasy quarterback. I assume receptions and receiving yards are the cheat code for the running backs. Correct. Yes. Especially in full PPR leagues. It's like a massive cheat code. Half PPR. It's still very, very helpful. And then standard doesn't matter as like, it doesn't matter as much at all. All right. Number nine. Number nine is kind of a surprise. Travis ETN from the Jacksonville Whoa. Jaguars. What is this based on? So uh, I think he's going to get a very large, target share 
with the Jaguars this year. Yes, they added Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. They did upgrade from their wide receivers last year, which is wild, but they're still pretty bad. And I think he is going to see a ton of targets already having the experience with Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, where he was used a ton as a receiver that last year uh, playing with Trevor Lawrence. Yes, the Liz Frank injury is a little bit scary because players their first year back and kind of struggle with that injury. But Etienne suffered that injury before the season even started, right? So he had the entire season to sit out and recover, which I think is very helpful for him. I think the offense might not still be that great, but they should have far more scoring opportunities than they had last year with the second year with Trevor Lawrence, with Doug Peterson instead of Urban Meyer, with the upgrade at weapons. And James Robinson somehow had 989 scrimmage yards and eight scrimmage touchdowns last year. I have no idea when that happened, but good for him. <laughs> and he, I mean, he didn't even play the full season because the thing with him is he tore his Achilles very late in the season. So it's very doubtful he's going to be back at the start of the season. There has been good updates on him, but come on, he tore your Achilles. If anything, he's going to be back and looking like Cam Akers last year where he was pretty rough. So I expect ETN to, he could even lead this team in receiving yards and also lead the team as a rusher. So I'm excited about his workload this year. This is why I like your rankings. You are not afraid to be bold, number one. And number two, you don't overweight last year like yeah it's a factor in your decision making but it's not everything obviously because etn's number nine and he didn't do anything last year <laughs> so i like the boldness there very very good i'm i think that too many people with the jags are just they're doing the same thing that we did with sam darnold and adam gase everything bad that happened with sam darnold was adam gase's fault and that's what we're doing with the jags this year everything bad about the jags oh it was all Urban Meyer's fault. Every pay no attention to the shit we saw on the field last year with the Jags. It was all Urban Meyer's fault, and he's gone. I don't buy it. I don't think they're going to be that good. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be that good. But hey, you're the fantasy expert. You say he's going to be good at nine. Okay, but I think people are adjusting too much in the other direction with the Jags. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be that good, but I think they'll be good enough. I mean, James Robinson in 2020 was a top five fantasy running back mm -hmm. with a bad Jaguar. So you don't need to be on a good team to have a good fantasy season as a running back, especially if you're used as a receiver. Like, obviously, if you're only being used as a rusher, it's going to be much harder and it's going to be touchdown dependent. And then if your team's not scoring touchdowns, you're probably not going to be very good. But if the Jaguars are always behind, that's a good thing for Travis Etienne. Uh, just get more of those receptions. So I feel good about him there. It all comes down to how healthy his foot can stay, but any of these running backs can get hurt. Like we see every year. Number eight, number eight is Aaron Jones from the Packers. Uh, again, it comes down to receptions for him here. I honestly believe he has a chance to be the Packers leading receiver <laughs> this season. Uh, his stats in games without Devonte Adams are pretty wild. He's played seven games without him over the last three seasons and has averaged 26 fantasy points per game. His receptions just go way, way up without Adams. He averages uh, four targets or actually 3.9 targets when Adams is in the game and 6.7 when he's out of the game. Uh, receiving yards increase by more than 30 yards per game. His touchdowns increase. So I expect Aaron Jones to have a very nice season. And also their defense on paper, the Packers defense on paper, it looks elite, like top three 
in the NFL good. And that might make them rely on the run game more often. They don't have wide receivers really on this team at all. So I think AJ Dillon will be heavily involved in the rushing game, but also Aaron Jones will get his rushing attempts. will get his rushing touchdowns as well as all those receptions. I think Aaron Jones is literally the only Packer who stands to benefit from Devonte Adams leaving the team. But as soon as you said it, I was like, Oh, yep. Plus I think honestly, Aaron Jones is a guy that Aaron Rodgers knows. And so I feel like all else fails. Hell, Aaron Rodgers is just check it down to Aaron Jones. Aaron is a very cautious guy. I feel like, especially in his later years, he's very aware. I think of like his completion percentage, his quarterback rating, all that stuff, which to me makes me think that he'll have no problem just dumping it down to Aaron Jones. Yes, I agree with you. I feel good about I, I'm every day. I feel like I keep getting higher on Aaron Jones. Like I keep talking <laughs> myself into it more and more and more. Cause like last year I was kind of low on him, but I don't know without Adams, it just feels like he's, he's primed to have a really, really good year. I mean, it's almost like you should like do your research, make your rankings and then leave it alone for a little while. No, nah, Aaron Jones just... will probably keep moving up. because <laughs> I already want to put him ahead of number seven right now. Just, just looking at it. All right. Well, who's at seven? Dalvin Cook from the Vikings. I think Dalvin Cook is an exceptional talent. I really do. And if he gets fed and he stays healthy, he, he will more than likely end higher than this. Uh, he did have a disappointing season last year. He was RB 11 in fantasy points per game. He scored just six touchdowns, which is rare for him because he had 13 uh, the year before that. And then 17, the two years before that. So he typically scores a lot of touchdowns. And I do expect this offense to be pretty good this year with the new coaches. Kirk Cousins has already been pretty solid all along. I do think they're going to throw more, but that doesn't mean that Dalvin Cook won't get those receptions or still have those scoring opportunities. The biggest issue with him is his health. It's like he hasn't stayed healthy for a full season yet in his career. And he's is he really going to do that now that he's going to be 27 years old? Probably unlikely. He's missed two plus games in every season. He missed four last year. Alexander Madison's pretty legit. So if you draft Alvin Cook, you could always get Alexander Madison later just to, you know, have some insurance there. But like like I said, if Dalvin Cook stays healthy, he should probably be a top five guy. I just I have a hard time believing it right now. He's fantastically talented. I totally agree with you. I keep hearing like a lot of people that Vikings offense is going to be better. Vikings are going to be more aggressive now because Mike Zimmer is gone. But I remember reading last year that Zimmer was having meetings with Kirk Cousins, begging him to be more aggressive. Um, but you think that even if the Vikings do pass more, that it's not going to negatively affect Dalvin Cook? No, because I think he'll be used there. You, you have Justin Jefferson. You have an old, like Justin Jefferson's going to get the a, a ton of targets, and he's fantastic. And then you have Adam Thielen, who will get his targets, but he is getting older. He'll be 32 years old. And then KJ Osborne, he'll be involved, or Smith, he'll be involved. But like, there's no fantastic third option there, and I think that will that could be Delvin Cook. And like I said, if his touchdowns go back up to double digits, then he's going to be perfectly fine, even if his rushing attempts go down. And honestly, that might make him stay a little bit healthier if yeah. they're not feeding him so much. Number six. I'm going to take another bite because number six is my least favorite running back in the NFL. So this feels right to get some mayo in me before okay. I speak about him. You're compounding your misery. And I just really, okay, my second bite. <clears throat> Look, you know how bad it's going to be. That's the problem. I know. 
You're scarred. Oh, there she goes. Oh my See, gosh. it's still there. You can't swallow it as fast as you think. <laughs> You're chasing it with the Dr. Pepper. I don't know if that's helping or hurting. It's helping because, oh my Lord. Oh my God. Guys, don't ever do this. I'm so... How's that aftertaste treating you? It's so bad. I know. I don't know how you did it without a drink. I'm just shocked. You just had it sitting there the whole entire episode? Yeah, and I couldn't swallow it right away either. It was awful. I just felt it sitting in my mouth. It's disgusting. It's just lard. It's really just lard. That's really It's gross. the worst. It is, And the worst is yet to come because you think you're out of the woods when you're done, and it's like, nope, your body rejects it. Oh man. All right. <laughs> Let me get into number six. My least favorite running back in the league is Joe Mixon. Just don't like him, but he finally broke out in 2021. It took him five seasons, but he did it. He finally did it. Uh, I do believe that the Bengals will run less next year. They just have to, they have to let Joe Burrow cook more often than they did last year. He's too good to not pass more often than they did. But, however, I do think this will be the best offensive line that Joe Mixon has ever played behind easily. So, although he might get less rushing attempts, his efficiency should increase because his efficiency last year was still pretty bad. It has been his, his entire career, but it got a little bit better last year. I expect it to keep getting better as the offensive line gets better. Uh, I would love to see him get more targets. The team just does not seem to want to use him as a pass catcher as much as they should because he's a pretty solid pass catcher. I don't know why they will not use him there. Uh, that does confuse me, but it seems like, I mean, we have a long time of evidence now with his career that they're more than likely just not going to use him in those scenarios. However, he scored 16 touchdowns last year. I'm not sure he can repeat that. But he's going to be in a, a great offense. Like, I don't see how this offense is not great. Like, maybe it has a Super Bowl hangover, but there's too many talented guys on this offense where they're not in a scoring opportunity very often. So maybe 16 isn't realistic to repeat, but he should have a ton, a ton of scoring opportunities. Some of the most out of all these running backs have a ton of volume still. He's going to be inconsistent throughout the year like he always is in his career, but the, his volume throughout the year will make him a very safe play for the entire season. I don't think the Bengals are going to have as good of a season from a team perspective. One, because I don't, I don't want to say that it was fluky, but I think a lot of things went their way last year. And number two, I just think the AFC as a whole is better this year. But Joe Mixon is a really good player. I agree with you about Cincinnati's offensive line. And I think that in terms of if you just went strictly quarterback, running back, wide receiver, like triplets, Cincinnati might have the best in the league. If you look at all three of those spots. Yeah, they really don't have a hole on offense. Even their offensive line is looking really good. They have like one hole in, in, at the guard position right now. But it, it, with all the other additions they made, it should be a pretty solid offensive line. And then even tight end, they went and got Hayden Hurst. So this offense should be great yet again. Joe Burrow is just so good. It's weird because I love Joe Burrow so much. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. And then I hate Joe Mixon so much. It's hard to root for that team. Yeah, Mixon is Mixon and Tyree Kill are two people that I will never, ever root for. Uh, number five. Uh, my boy. My boy, Najee Harris. Mm. Now... You can't call me biased because I've actually have him at five. A lot of people have him higher than that, right? Some people have him ranked as number two. He was your crush last year. You were all about Najee. Yeah, it was. And he ended as the RB4 last season. He had a very great rookie season, mostly due to volume. His efficiency was very bad. 
But I will say, comparing Najee Harris's rookie season to Le'Veon Bell's rookie season, they are identical. Najee had 22.4 touches per game. Le'Veon Bell had 22.2 touches per game. Najee Harris averaged 4.4 yards per touch. Le'Veon Bell averaged 4.4 yards per touch. Exact same. Harris averaged 98 scrimmage yards per game. Bell averaged 97 scrimmage yards per game. Le'Veon Bell, the very next season in the second year, had 2,200 scrimmage yards, uh, and his efficiency went way up. He struggled really hard his rookie year, and then his second year, his efficiency blew up. So there's hope for Najee. I think he's, I mean, coming out of Alabama, he was a super, super talented running back. I don't think it was his fault he was inefficient last year. I think the offense in general just sucked so bad, and the offensive line was so bad. He had no space to work. Uh, as the season went on, he just started to take the yards, which was like a good thing. Cause before he was trying to like, you know, break it off deep and was getting caught behind the line of scrimmage, just trying to find a hole as it went on. He was like, okay, I'm just going to take what I can get, which was a good thing. The offensive line is still not going to be great, but they did add a couple of new pieces. Uh, one being da- uh, James Daniels, very good young guard and a new center. And then their left tackle, Dan Moore is going to his second season. Maybe he can get better, but you know Najee Harris is going to get the workload. There's no one else on that team. He's going to – Mike Tomlin always uses a workhorse. And Mitch Trubisky will check down to Najee Harris plenty of times. He targeted Tariq Cohen nonstop with the Bears. And then when Cohen went down, he targeted David Montgomery nonstop uh, with the Bears. So I, I love Najee this year. A little worried about his touchdown production because the team might be a little stinky, but we'll see. <laughs> well, and the other thing, though, is part of the reason I think Najee – you know, he's averaged less than four yards per carry last year is because anybody that played Pittsburgh knew they were not throwing it deep. Like they just, Ben was not physically capable or interested in that at all. They didn't even do any play action passes with Ben Roethlisberger under center. Like he didn't even want to run to do that. Najee Harris had zero space to work. I mean, there was three guys around him immediately. The team knew exactly what was going on. Every first and 10, it was a Najee Harris run. There was no creativity. Like you said, there was no deep ball. So all the defenders were lined up close. It was a brutal situation to be on. And Najee Harris did his thing. I mean, he put up really good numbers as a rookie. Although there were volume numbers, he still did it. Number four. All right. I'm going with Christian McCaffrey of the Panthers. I know. I know. It's been two years in a row now where he's destroyed our souls. (laughs) But he was RB3 in fantasy points per game in 2018. He played all 16 games. RB1 overall and in fantasy points per game in 2019. By far, played all 16 games. And then RB1 in fantasy points per game in 2020. He only played three games. So, very small sample size. And then in 2021, he played four games that he actually played 50-plus percent of the snaps before you know getting hurt. And he scored 21-plus points in all of those games. The injuries are brutal. Yes. And I cannot predict if he's going to stay healthy or not. Like I said, any one of these running backs can get hurt. Like basically every running back besides Joe Mixon and Najee Harris got hurt last year. It's just, it's a hard thing to predict. And when Christian McCaffrey is on the field, he has an absolute fantasy monster. And if you told me right now, he's going to start 15, 16 games and not get hurt. I, he would be my RB one pretty easily. I just remember when he was coming into the league, everybody was like, ah, he's too little. He's not going to hold up. And then he plays every game his first three years and he, 
you know, is touching the ball just an insane amount. In 2019, he touched the ball 403 times. That's absurd. And then stunner of all stunners. The next year he got hurt. Um, but you're right. The only question with him is health because when he's on the field, even if his quarterback is not that good, like nothing affects him on the field except for injury. He's like this unstoppable force. Where are you drafting him? Because it's obviously a huge concern with injury, but the upside is so high. How how early are you drafting him? I mean, people are still going to take him in the first round. So you have to feel comfortable there. Uh you know, I would obviously take the three guys that I have ahead of him that I'm about to talk about before him. If I'm in the middle of the first round, maybe I pull the trigger. I like I would prefer to take Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver, over Christian McCaffrey at that spot. But, you know, if he's still sitting there at the end of the first round because people are nervous, you kind of just have to pull the trigger. And if he kills you a third year in a row, I'm so sorry. I mean, I guess at that point, you just throw him <laughs> out the window. I don't know what to do after that. But yeah, it's hard because you got to rank these guys out as if they're going to be on the field, right? Like you can put a little bit of injury concern into it. But we all know if Christian McCaffrey plays the majority of the season, he's going to be amazing. So you don't have guys that you just take off your board. Like I know I've been ragging on him, but I say this in all seriousness. Last year, Julio Jones was just off my board. It was just like, I'm not going to draft him. He's always hurt. Even when he plays, you never know if he's going to play. It affects your whole. I was just like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm, even if like he, maybe he plays and he's great, but I just can't take the risk. You don't have people like that? Not so much for injury. I do have people I just don't enjoy drafting. Like uh, <laughs> I knew I knew no matter how far Kenny Galladay fell last year, I was just never going to take him. I just did not care about that dude whatsoever with Daniel Jones. They're the worst match of all time. And somehow NFL GMs don't know that the worst match of all time is baffling to me. Like, how don't you know that it – a guy that cannot separate. It's not going to be good for Daniel Jones who can't throw a tight into a tight window. I just, it, it drives me crazy that these NFL teams make these stupid mistakes, but like, like a guy like that, or like I brought up before Nick Chubb, just never on my teams. Cause I want a guy that could just be the RB one that has that potential. Like I just want that excitement and maybe the guy I end up taking is worse than Nick Chubb, but I at least want the opportunity that they can break out in that way. That's fair. Uh, there's also there's certain people that for whatever reason I just don't like picking, and it's yeah you know we I all just, have this. Yeah, we all have our biases. That's fine. Okay, three spots left on the list. I'm fascinated to see if one player is in your top ten or if he's out completely. And the fact that I don't know what the answer to that is is kind of surprising. But number three, I'm sure they're all in it because uh, this hasn't been too bold after my Travis Etienne. But number three was Austin Eckler. Easy. He could be two if I wanted him to. Was that the guy you're thinking of? Nope. Okay. Uh, he was my favorite running back going into last year. I had him ranked inside the top five. People gave me a lot of crap for that. A lot of crap for no good reason either, because that was his second finish inside the top six last year. So last year he's RB two. And then in 2020, he missed six games. So no, he didn't finish very high, but the RB he was the RB six in 2019. So it's like, we already saw him have a very good year. And now he's had two very good years in the last three years. He's basically a receiver, right? He's a running back. That's basically a receiver on an amazing team 
with an amazing quarterback. He has all the scoring opportunities in the world. He has all the target opportunities in the world. And they didn't really add anyone else to that running back field. They added Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round, I believe. Like, yeah, he might get his opportunity to spell Eckler because the rest of the guys there are not good at all. Like, yeah, he could take Josh Kelly, Joshua Kelly's job. Big whoop. Uh, it's still the Austin Eckler show for this year. And Austin Eckler scored 20-plus points in 10 of his games last year. His ceiling is so high in any given week, and he never really kills you. He never has bad games because of his target value. And that's so important, too, just to have at least one person in your lineup outside of the quarterback that you feel like is going to deliver a solid effort every single week. Like, Because there's going to be weeks where some guy just goes berserk and you're fine. But sometimes there's weeks where, like, for whatever reason, none of your people get into the end zone. You're like, can somebody just throw up 15 to 20 points for me for the love of God? Uh, Eckler is the man. I think he's playing in an offense where the arrow is just only pointing up because Justin Herbert is getting better and better and better. I know the AFC West is better this year, but I think that's going to help. I almost called him San Diego. I think that's going to help L.A. because they're going to have to keep frigging scoring and keep throwing the ball. So Eckler, I love it at number three. He's another guy, though. I do worry about the injuries, but I worry about him less than Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, it was really only 2020 he got that injury. And it was one injury. Give him a break. He's always got a hamstring problem. (laughs) He's fine. He's fine. And uh, I I took a look. He actually averages the most fantasy points per touch out of all running backs in the NFL over the last four years. Looking at guys with 500-plus touches over that span, he's the only one averaging over one point per touch. And this is half-point PPR I'm looking at here per touch. Uh, 1.05, he leads Christian McCaffrey second with 0.99, Alvin Kamara's third, Aaron Jones is fourth, Kareem Hunt is fifth, and then Jonathan Taylor is sixth. Uh, so Austin Eckler doesn't need a lot of touches to do it, but last year he did get a lot of touches, so it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, damn, you win some money with that bet. That is that is some a knowledge drop right there by you. That's good work. Okay, number two, one of them remaining names has to be Jonathan Taylor. Is he is he two? No, he's not. Number two is Derrick Henry. I'm keeping him at number two. Old man, old man out there that people are giving up on a little bit. He was the RB1 of fantasy points per game last season. 23 points per game compared to Taylor's 20.8 points per game. From weeks one to eight, he had scored 43 more fantasy points than any other running back at that point. He had the far lead. He finished as the RB 16 in total points, and he missed more than half a season. He finished as the <laughs> RB 16. That's insane. And it was just, it was a broken foot. I feel like that's a random injury. It's not like he is all of a sudden dealing with soft tissue issues now that we have to be worried about that are going to keep popping up because of his age. It's like, no, it was a broken foot. That heals, and you're not going to break your foot again. Knock on wood. Like, that's a random injury. I, I'm completely fine with him. I'm not worried about his injury whatsoever. I'm not worried about his workload going down because he just didn't receive a very large workload to start his season. So I think he can go for another year or two. The reason I have him at number two instead of number one is because he does not get the same amount, or he doesn't get very many targets even though those did go up last year. So maybe that continues, but also I just think the Titans overall might struggle on offense without AJ Brown there. Maybe Traylon Burks can step into that role. Maybe Robert Woods is fine coming off his ACL tear. 
uh, Ryan Tannehill just really struggled. The offensive line is getting a little worse. So I have him at two instead of one, but I'm fine if anybody wants to rank him one. He's an absolute monster. If you ever want to laugh, go look at Derrick Henry's high school stats. Oh my goodness. It is literally like he just set the game on easy mode and was just plowing over people. It is absurd how good he was. Um, but I agree. He's an absolute horse. Um, he totally breaks the rules, right? It's like, yeah, you'd like your running back to have receiving yards unless they're just so ungodly on the ground that it doesn't matter. He has been piling up the touches though. 321 touches in 2019, 397 touches in 2020 that led the league. And he had 237 last year in eight games, but <laughs> That's insane. Like okay. he's not gonna be able to have that. He they cannot give him that same workload again, right? Like he was on pace for like five hundred touches. Like you can't, you I can't I think, do that to him. I think Mike Vrabel's like, screw it, man. This is all I got. I'm just gonna run the ball. We're gonna play tough defense. Maybe Ryan Tannehill can make a play here and there on third down, and we'll see what we see. Yeah, and anytime they're near the goal line, they're gonna hand it off to. Derek oh yeah, Henry. like. So he's easy to put there too. He's safe, right? Uh, maybe in a full PPR league, you want to go all in with Austin Eckler, but you know Derrick Henry is just such a stud. It's it's hard to rank anyone over him. But I did do one player, and before I get to him, let me take my last bite of mayo and oh get this boy. over with. Oh my gosh! Number three. Now you're just, this is where the emotional scars just set in. I just know what it is like. You just pulled it back. You started and then you were like, no, I can't do it. And your body just. Oh my goodness. Three, two, one. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's getting warm. It's warm now. See? It did happen to you. Just like it happened to me. It gets warm and it gets worse. I want to cry. Okay. All right. I'm done. Okay. Oh, I forgot to record. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Oh, I can see we're live. Damn. Okay. I thought that would work. I wanted to, I wanted you to freak out about having to eat the mayonnaise. No, again. no. And I would have made you eat the mayo after that. <laughs> if that actually happened. <laughs> Damn it. My no. grand plan failed. All yeah. right. Tell us about Jonathan Taylor. All right. Jonathan Taylor is my RB one. You might say that's boring. Yes. Yes. It, it, it is. He was RB one last year. And it, I mean, 20.8 fantasy points per game as the RB one is not very high. So people might say, well, even if he repeats what he did last year, he still could possibly not be the RB one this coming year, which is totally true. But I think he can even have a better season than he had last year from weeks one through eight. He was only on pace for 257 carries. He never had more than 18 carries in a game during that span. Like they weren't feeding him to start the whole first half of the season. And then the second half of the season, things just totally took a turn. And he was all of a sudden on pace for during that span, he was on a 17 game pace for 399 carries. He averaged (laughs) 23.4 carries per game. Now I don't think it's going to be that crazy, but I I don't think it's going to start off as slow as it did last year. The offense should still a hundred percent run through Jonathan Taylor, even with Matt Ryan there. Yes. Matt Ryan's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, but there's still not really any other wide receivers besides Michael Pittman. And yeah, they added rookie Alec Pierce in the second round. We'll see if he gets much involved, but I think this offense should still run through Taylor rely on the defense a little bit. 
make it a slower game because I don't think you want Matt Ryan throwing the ball 600 times. I don't think that's the answer for success uh, on this team. And then with Matt Ryan there, you should have more scoring opportunities because he's just a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. So yeah, he scored a gazillion touchdowns last year, but I think those should still be there because when they get near the goal line, it's going to be the Jonathan Taylor show. And he's just such a good running back. And he has that breakaway ability that almost no other running back in the entire league has. Like you could be getting, there were some games last year where I was like, wow, Jonathan Taylor, do something, do something. And then all of a sudden in the second half, he would rip off a 60 yard rush (laughs) for a touchdown. And that's a ton of points. I mean, that's 11 points right there on just one play. And he did that so often last year because of his speed. He has to just get through that hole. And with his burst, he's gone. There's no one's going to catch him. Uh, His efficiency is just so safe. And I do think his volume is super safe this year. There's no one better than him in the league right now, talent-wise. I don't believe. Like, Derrick Henry is an amazing running back, but he kind of runs through people. Jonathan Taylor is just so electric. Who turned off the faucet when it comes to receptions for him down the stretch at the end of the end of the year? In his yeah. last six games, I think he had like four catches, something like that. Like all of a sudden they just stopped throwing him the ball. Do you you think that's a Carson Wentz thing? Or you think it was like, look, this dude's just tired, man. We'll hand him the ball, but don't throw him the ball anymore. Come on. Yeah, no, they need to get him more involved. And all of a sudden they're like, well, Naheem Hines is going to be more involved in the passing game, which is not what you want to hear when you're drafting Jonathan Taylor with the one-on-one. But I think there is enough room for both. Like I said, there's not a lot of passing options there, pass catching options there. So hopefully they start. Jonathan Taylor is very good as a receiver as well. There's no reason not to use him. It's like, I think at certain points down the stretch, they kind of were like, okay, we're using him so much as a rusher. Maybe we shouldn't also get him hit after catching a ball. Let's try to keep him healthy a little bit. But I'm not worried about like just like Derrick Henry. I'm not as worried about his receptions as these other guys because they're just so good on the ground and near the goal line. It'll be fine. Let me ask you about some people not in the top 10. Now, first of all, what did you do with the 49ers running game? If if somebody's like, look, I'm a, I'm a ride or die Niner fan. I'm going to draft a Niners running back because like they're my team and whatever. Would you go with Elijah Mitchell? Would you risk Ty Davis price? What, what's your answer to that fan? Uh, get Trey Lance. <laughs> I'll be drafting Trey Lance in every draft, like I said, because his ADP is my favorite among all the quarterbacks. I don't really want anything to do with this backfield because they don't already. The Shanahan system doesn't use their running backs in the passing game, and then you add in a mobile quarterback and Trey Lance. Mobile quarterbacks do not typically check down to their running backs, so they they're don't in trouble. Need to. Yeah, because they don't need to. They're going to run themselves. They're not going to check it down. And then near the goal line, I don't think they're going to give it to Elijah Mitchell too many times. This 200-pound this back, instead of using Trey Lance or maybe Ty Davis-Price, who's a much bigger back, I think that could be a big reason why they brought him in. Or maybe they finally use Trey Sermon or Jeff Wilson's still there. Who knows? But I, I don't feel good about drafting Elijah Mitchell at all. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is – with the Cowboys running backs. It seems to be clear to everyone except them that Tony Pollard at this point is better than Zeke Elliott. Why don't they use Tony Pollard more? If we can see it, why can't they? And where would you draft Tony Pollard at all? Like, how do you, how do you approach him? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't typically come away with Tony Pollard in any drafts. I've been doing best ball drafts um, over on Underdog. And I, you know, Kareem Hunt's right in that range with Tony Pollard. And I much prefer Kareem Hunt to him. There's just Hold other on. guys. Dumb question. What is a best ball draft? So best ball is where you do your normal draft. It's like you're doing your redraft draft. It's only for the single year. But when you draft, that's it, right? You don't have to set any lineups because they just take the best scores every week from the positions you need, right? The top quarterback score, two top running back scores, the three top wide receivers and so on. Uh, like you have your roster structure that you have to make, but you just draft and then you don't look again until the end of the season to see if you won. It's pretty cool. It's a great way to mock draft because there's actually money involved. You can put down anything, $3 to $100 leagues that you could do to try to win money. So there's actually money involved. So people are taking mock drafts seriously and you can see where people are going. And then there's also a, you know, a chance to win some money that way as well. See, I like, I kind of like that. I, that wouldn't be my only league. Cause I do like the whole, like, okay, do I start this guy against this team? And like, you've kind of feel a little better about yourself when you guess, right. Which, oh yeah. You definitely need your real leagues too. This is yeah. just for the, this is to get the itch out of you during the summer months to do some drafting that matters. Sounds like a nice way to waste, you know, not waste, but burn through 10 or 15 bucks too. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun at the end of the year to go into your account and be like, Oh wow. I have like a hundred bucks or more in here. Like last year I just went in. I had like $200. It was great. Damn. How many did you do? I don't know. Like 10 of them. I'm, maybe I'm a good drafter. Stats. I guess. Damn. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see if there's anybody else I wanted to ask you about outside of the top 10. The Eagles had an amazing running game last year. Is that all due to Jalen Hurts? Are you not giving any love to the Eagles running backs? Well, Miles Sanders actually just was in an interview and he said, I know not draft me in fantasy, which, okay. I, okay. I won't. The guy I want to draft <laughs> is Kenneth Gainwell. If I'm drafting uh Eagles running back, I think he's super talented. I think they drafted him to be the Austin Eckler of that offense. Uh, Nick Sirianni was with Austin Eckler uh, in, in LA. And then you had, uh, the Shane Steichen was with the Colts. I think I might, mm -hmm. I might be mixing these up. Uh, and he had his Naheem Hines. So I think they drafted Kenneth Gainwell to be that because even before the Eagles drafted Kenneth Gainwell, I comped Kenneth Gainwell to Austin Eckler. I think they're very similar players. So if they give him the workload, I really like that. The only issue is that Jalen, you know, he's playing with Jalen Hurts, who is a mobile quarterback. And as I just said, doesn't typically check down as much. So they're actually going to have to get him involved in the uh, passing game is actually like running routes. But I, I think we could see that this year and hopefully they just give him more opportunity, but I want nothing to do with Miles Sanders. I'll draft tennis game out later. Last question for you outside the top 10, J.K. Dobbins. What do you do with him? Obviously coming off an injury. All the Ravens want to do is run the ball. Do you take a risk on him and later in the draft if you can get him there? No, probably not. Because, A, you're not going to get him too late. He's going to be going in, like, the fourth round. He's coming off wow. the ACL tear. And Gus Edwards is going to be coming off at that same time. It's like if he's – We'll see who could be more ready to start the season, but Gus Edwards will be involved if they're both healthy. Um, he's just JK Dobbins is also very touchdown dependent. I'm fine with taking him. I just don't think, I think his ceiling is like a Nick Chubb where he's going to be like RP 10, which I would much prefer JK Dobbins than at his price than Nick Chubb's price, but he just doesn't get me super excited. He is a great running back though. JK Dobbins is a fantastic running back. 
So that is it. We are through the top 10. I will run it down for people uh, just as a refresher. Nick Chubb at 10, Travis Etienne at 9, Aaron Jones at 8, Dalvin Cook 7, Joe Mixon 6, Najee Harris 5, Christian McCaffrey 4, Austin Eckler 3, Derek Henry 2, and Jonathan Taylor 1. You have fulfilled your top 10. You have fulfilled your mayonnaise, the bet requirement. So is this now off the table forever is that we're not doing mayonnaise anymore or does mayonnaise become like our standard bet and then whoever loses just has to keep eating it oh my goodness i mean i guess it would make us really be serious about whatever bet we're putting down <laughs> <laughs> like we're it's no joke anymore i'm not gonna let you bully me into saying okay fine i'll do this bet because you weren't gonna let me not do it i didn't know when i was creating my off-season plan that it was going to turn into a mayonnaise bet i had to go through it first and then you're like do the mayonnaise bet do the mayonnaise bet i dare you you bullied me into it and now i'll be much more selective about what i bet on i don't understand how everything on this show you make me the jerk you made your off-season plan it's so and, easy and i said how confident are you and you were like, oh, I'm super confident. And I was like, oh, yeah? Would you be willing to bet the mayonnaise on it? And you said yes. You stepped in it, Michelle. Don't put it on me. I don't think anyone could have predicted the 49ers offseason. I don't well, think anybody. Then Let everybody walk. Don't resign anybody. Resign one name. Like, And then don't even cut Jimmy Garoppolo. I, that was an impossible offseason to predict. Pride cometh before the fall. You say that now, yet that's exactly what you tried to do. You earned every every one of those 90-calorie bites. I would like to just say my plan was way better than what they did. <laughs> well, you're probably right about that. But I salute you nonetheless. I know what that's like. I know what you've been through. And more importantly, I know what you're going to go through later when your system gets a chance to digest that mayonnaise. Just smelling it still. Like, I need a... I need to get it away. Wait until the next time you eat something that you normally put mayonnaise on. You're going to get the shakes. Ugh, no, I might not be eating mayo for a very long time. I don't blame you. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thank you, everybody. Please keep your ratings and your reviews coming. As you heard earlier, if you leave it on the show, we read it. Michelle, rest up, recover. I will talk to you next week. Bye, y'all. 